This is a Federal News Network podcast. The very brief shutdown that started within the parts of the Transportation Department is now over. Members of Congress agreed to reauthorize the Highway Trust Fund that funds several DOT agencies during a vote on Saturday, but that's about all that got done. Agreement is still elusive on the big federal spending questions, including the infrastructure bill, the president's Build Back Better package, not to mention annual appropriations bills for the fiscal year that just started last week. Here to bring us up to speed on where things stand is Lauren Duggan, Deputy News Director at Bloomberg Government. Hey, Lauren, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the infrastructure bill of of which that Highway Trust Fund issue was originally wrapped up in. They broke that off separately just to extend it while they continue to haggle over everything else. But where do things stand uh, with, with the rest of these issues? Yeah, that's right. The infrastructure bill is a $1.2 trillion package over several years. And part of the core of it is a reauthorization of highway transit and safety programs that they typically do every five years or so. Um, they had already kicked that down the road for a year, um, and the, the time had come to do that again. That's wrapped up in the infrastructure package. Had they had that vote by Thursday night, like they had originally intended, everything would have been fine. Once that vote was delayed, however, that um, caused a problem for the DOT agencies that receive an authorization through there. And unlike some authorizations that don't matter, this one really does, because without the ability to spend money from the trust fund, you can't pay the salaries to the people who do this work. You can't necessarily send money to the state. So a lot of downstream effects. So um, that shut down a little after midnight on Friday, but by the House passing a bill Friday night and then the Senate clearing it on Saturday, that reopened those agencies for a month while they figure out what to do on the larger package. Um, that month's deadline may give a new deadline as well to doing something on that infrastructure package, which passed with bipartisan support in the Senate, came over to the House, and is really mired in the debate over what to do over the larger spending package, um, though how large that is is under debate and probably something we'll touch on later. Um, but it, there wasn't enough support within the Democratic caucus and even cobbling together the Republican votes there may have been to get that over the line last week. So um, what they'll be doing over the next several weeks is figuring out how to get that bill over the line with this other package. So no no real prospect of any near-term action on any of those, either of those big infrastructure bills, right? I mean, we're basically where we were on Friday when it looked like there might be something happening, but there's really no new deadline in place, not even a soft deadline, it looks in terms of when leadership wants to get something done here. I would say on the um, the physical infrastructure bill, the um, one point you know one trillion dollar plan with five hundred and fifty billion in new spending, they they are penciling in October thirty first for that again because the programs expire. Um, the bigger package, there's really not a deadline other than if there's a line in the sand that you have to move them together, then that would suggest next month might be it. But assembling a bill of the size that they're talking about, um, squaring away all the details, getting everyone on board, you could easily see that going more than a month. So you know one of the questions here is what do they need to have with the bigger package to allow infrastructure to move forward? Is it a, you know, a table of contents or a, an agreement on what the policies will be? At the very least, they need to agree probably on a top line number for that bill, which is part of the dispute at the moment. Um, and that could allow that to move forward. But, you know, what's what may concern some people is there was already a date written down September 27th to take up the infrastructure package. And that slipped by a couple of days, and then they pulled that vote altogether. So, um, you know, it, the deadlines are a little softer than some people would like. And the fact that one of them has come and gone without it actually resulting in a vote has caused problems in the Democratic caucus. And going back to what you teased up for us a second ago, is there any more clarity or is it starting to become clear what the size of this second overall package might end up being? It's not 
totally. Um, you know, Joe, Joe Manchin has floated a $1.5 trillion number. He wrote that down on a piece of paper. Um, but it's not just a number. You know, in that number are the policies that will cost money to add up to that. And then also policy that could save money on the mandatory side and allow you to spend more. The top one there is um, allowing Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices and, and other provisions related to that. That's come into some problems on the House side where some moderates haven't agreed to it. So, you know, if they could have that $700 billion, that would allow them to spend more. If they don't have it, it may deepen their problem in trying to find a way forward here. So there's a lot of complicated arithmetic going on here with adding up the cost of programs and then subtracting out um, either the tax increases or other spending changes. So um, a, a lot to figure out for Democratic leaders. And, and let's talk about annual appropriations bills. Is there any clear path forward on those before we get to the next December 3rd deadline? There's not. There's time. Obviously, nine weeks is a good chunk of time as opposed to these other issues we were talking about. Uh, we have a continuing resolution in place. We don't have a handshake agreement between the House and the Senate and Republicans and Democrats on how much to spend. Uh, one complication is these other spending packages that we're talking about, even though they're outside of annual appropriations, they're on the mandatory spending side. Um, there's still some pressure there. How much do you want to put in annual bills when you're spending money over there? And there could be calls to reduce some of the costs in the annual bills. So um, the, the one consensus we've seen on the authorization side is on defense, where both chambers, the House as a whole, and then the Senate Armed Services Committee agreed to spend about 25 billion more than the president wanted on defense programs. If that holds up as a consensus, that may help the process move forward. But an agreement on the non-defense side is a little trickier and pretty much everything we're talking about here is on the non-defense side in terms of highways and um, social services programs, climate change, and all the, the like there. Yeah, it seems to me un under that situation, what you might end up with hypothetically is they pass defense appropriations bills, get those through, and leave the rest of the government operating under a CR, which certainly has happened before. It has, but you could see Democrats fighting back because they like to have defense. You know, you vote for the defense increase. I vote for the non-defense increase and we get the whole boat lifted um, and over the line. So, you know, that that's another issue they'll be working on very closely in the next coming weeks. Um, especially, but, you know, the most pressing thing we haven't touched on it yet is the debt limit, which needs to be increased sometime this month, according to the Treasury Department. Um, and that's, I think, where a lot of the initial focus is going to be, even with the House mostly away on committee work weeks the next two weeks and the Senate scheduled to be out next week for the the holiday week um we'll have a lot of discussion over the coming weeks on what to do on the debt limit and that's going to raise specters of spending not only on annual basis but also on these two packages so i think spending is very much in everybody's um focus these next couple of weeks you bet all right lauren duggan deputy news director at bloomberg government thanks a lot lauren thank you hello and welcome to the lessons in leadership podcast i am your host shane canfield ceo of wepa today i'm thrilled to be joined by vice admiral cutler dawson Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. And during his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. 
You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about but that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and 
without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From Sea to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing, if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.